Welcome to episode 50 of the Brushbuilders Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brushbuilders Union, Simon Berman. And this month for our episode 50, I'm doing something a little different. Uh, we are having our first ever roundtable with some of my favorite people in the miniatures painting hobby. Uh, we're going to be discussing some great questions uh, about uh, the hobby, what we get out of miniatures painting, and uh, from some of the people I think the most important voices in minis painting today. So going around, we are joined by the one and only Shoshi Bauer. Shoshi, thanks for joining us. Uh, we've got Byron Ord from Artist Opus, Dave Taylor of Dave Taylor Miniatures, and Matt DiPietro of Contrast Me. So everybody, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to talk to all of you today. Hey, buddy. Thanks Hello. for having me. Yeah, thanks, Simon. Oh, it's yeah. Great to be here. Yeah, I think everybody here has been on the podcast in the past, but uh, this is the first time I've had, I think, more than one guest on the podcast. So uh, it, it may be a little chaotic, but um, I'm really excited to hear what all of you guys have to say. So to kind of kick things off, what I did was I post I posed five questions about miniatures painting uh, to Brushboard's Union members and uh, had them send me recorded audio files of their answers to the questions and then kind of compiled them. And I'm going to play them here to kind of spark discussion. And then we're all going to talk about uh, those same questions. So uh, I'd like to, first of all, first of all I got to thank the people who contributed to that. And those are my Brushboard's Union members, Betsy Bowers, Carmen Cardenudo, uh, Damp Dog, Richard Grady and Jody Hume, who all gave some really thoughtful answers. Thank you so much for uh, helping me out with this. So uh, I think we're just going to kind of get right into it. So uh, we're going to ask our first question, and I'm going to play their responses, and then we're going to talk about it. And that is, why do you paint miniatures? I paint minis because it is both a relaxing and challenging hobby. I'm constantly learning and improving while making something that I can be truly proud of. And I really love playing a game with the minis that I painted. I paint minis because I like that it lets me get to be creative and work on something that I can sort of do on my own uh, when I want to. I don't have to sort of really organize anything um, or things like that. And I can just get to be creative, come up with my own little color schemes, and, and express a little bit of artistry that I don't always get a chance to um, in other media. Painting minis has probably been one of my longest going hobbies, probably for the last at least 25 years now. It's just one of those things that I always find so much enjoyment with, and it's an escape from just mundanity of day-to-day -day life. You know, you, you're basically in control of however you want to paint all these tiny little figures and use them to whatever purpose you have. It's, it's just a truly satisfying hobby. I paint miniatures because my husband and his friends actually play a lot of tabletop games. And so I'd always end up going to local game shops with them. And I found it was a good way to pass the time and help them to get their armies painted. Nominally, I paint miniatures in order to relax. But the reality is I like playing miniature tabletop games and two fully painted armies on a table with a bunch of painted, uh, well-constructed terrain. Just looks really visually appealing. It's a great way of getting people to, to stop, uh, ask questions, get them interested in the hobby of gaming. It just, it, it looked good. It looks good and it's more fun to play on a fully painted table. So uh, there we have it. Uh, that's what some of our members had to say. And I think we're gonna go around. We're gonna start with, uh, with Shoshi. Uh, Shoshi, why do you paint miniatures? Well, I'm actually, I started out as an artist, um, fine artist and then was, this was a way for me to combine my 
artistic side with my nerd side and be able to make a living because this is more of a job than a hobby for me at this point. So, but I, I mean, it was a way to really encompass a lot of different parts of myself and do something I love to, to make it, you know, make it by. Right on. Uh, so it's kind of a professional thing for you. How about, uh, how about you, Byron? I know, I think everybody here kind of works for professionally in miniatures, but, uh, why miniatures and other, another, another form of art? Um, that's a good question. So, well, I, I think a lot of us here will probably have like a basis in fantasy or sci-fi or something, you know, maybe as children, we were into it. And I was into the hobby as a kid. I took a big break and then I, I realized that I just missed creative stuff. Um, probably like halfway through university and it, it was just a really natural kind of step backwards, if you will. But um, I really liked that actually as time had passed, even though I hadn't been involved in the hobby, uh, just coming back to it and being more patient, I got so much more out of it, I think. Um, I, I loved it as a kid, obviously. But um, yeah, I think that uh, it just fitted with the books that I liked and the type of films I liked to watch and stuff like that. So it felt like a pretty obvious first step. It's just I never went anywhere beyond that because I felt it kind of, completed what i needed from a you know from a creative hobby sure sure how about you dave um i think like when i was a kid i used to um like a lot of people collect uh, like star wars figures and that kind of thing uh and i always found myself making stuff to go along with them with them making different weapons and swords all sorts of stuff um and so when i found miniatures and had the idea of i could create something that was unique to me um nobody else was going to put the paint on the miniature the same way that i did or choose that color scheme or convert a model or all that sort of thing um it gave me a great it was a great canvas they're an excellent canvas to to work on and, and create something um unique to me that's why sure kind of, <laughs> kind of your own way to, to live in that little world right yeah yeah exactly and uh, finally, how about you, Matt? Um, well, I originally started painting miniatures um, as a way to sort of escape from my everyday uh, life, which was pretty stressful at that time when I was a, a teenager and like a kid and stuff, you know. Um, it was a way for me to sort of be by myself and uh, like kind of escape from the stress of, you know, my peers and stuff like that. Um, but um, that kind of grew into me, like, painting miniatures to live and support myself as a professional, um, as I w was a studio miniature painter, and I did that for a long time. But these days, I paint miniatures to express myself, my ideas and my feelings, and to make a connection with people, um, and to sort of, like, you know, in that way, I feel like it is my form of expression my art form so i guess i paint miniatures because it's like my calling i suppose sure i've been doing it for so long so yeah yeah so I, i'm kind of want to open the floor for a little bit of discussion something building on something you just said matt about um painting it to connect with others and you know one of the uh, one of the people i asked she was saying that she paints miniatures or at least pre-started painting miniatures um because her husband paints i'm curious anybody else what is it to get out of painting miniatures that maybe you know they do for other people is that part of it for you at all you know as gifts or um, ways to help out your your friends, or as artists to receive uh, to you know to, to to put something out in the world. 
Um, well, I think that like when I'm painting commissions, I like to sort of it's it's almost like a conversation between me and my commissioners and uh i mean sometimes they just want you to do whatever express like you know express your art or whatever but sometimes it's kind of like um trying to figure out what's going to really mean a lot to that person you know and also mean something to you and i don't know i guess maybe that answers your question a little bit sure uh byron you had something or Shoshi, were you saying something? Yeah, actually, I commissioned Matt one time, and he blew it out of the water, and it, it was exactly that. It was that conversation. Like, he, it's like he picked, like, my subconscious brain, and he put it into a miniature form, and it was amazing. What was the piece? Um, well, let Matt, I'm going to let Matt describe it, because okay. it, it came yeah. out of him. <laughs> yeah, I... I still one of my favorite you know projects you were a great client to work for shoshi but um the piece was a piece called yellowstone dreams and it i was kind of like inspired to make a piece that expressed sort of like this creation like art is kind of a creation to me so it's like um so and i also love um uh nature so it was, it was inspired both by those themes and then also yellowstone national park so there's this um uh like travertine pool like a hot spring you know that you've seen with like the colored water and everything and floating in that is like kind of like this primordial woman who's um kind of in a fetal position like you know like she's almost in utero um so to create the piece i actually sculpted the figure from scratch and painted it and then oh, wow. and then sculpted the t pool and then i encased her in um in resin so it was like a one shot you got one shot at this sort of thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was it was like very involved and very like you know yeah the the whole one shot aspect of it was it's pretty nerve-wracking, but I just really wanted to like also make a statement because I took that to Crystal Brush one year to say that it's like this 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 was like art, you know, like this is like entirely my expression and everything. Yeah. So it was it was about that, and that, I know that Shoshi was really about that too. So um, you know, yeah. that's what. <laughs> when I first got into mini, like I came directly from fine art. I was a fine art watercolorist before this, and. So when I came to miniature painting, I like my original idea was like to try to get people to take it to the next level. And Matt was one of those people who like was on board and understood that kind of thing. And I still think that it's it's, you know, different people are doing it. Um, and I do think that miniatures really can be its own um, medium, you know. Yeah, not just a gaming piece. But not like a just real... a game, not just a hobby, but a real yeah. form of of real artistic expression. Very cool, Byron. I think we kind of cut you off a couple times there. So were you were you trying to say something? No, it's all good. I mean, whatever I'm going to say is, is going to sound kind of <laughs> a little bit more basic than that. Now that sounds incredible. Um, I uh, so I I had never taught formally, but some of my jobs before my now job, um, so I was a climbing instructor and stuff like that, and I always really enjoyed teaching people. And rather than like doing my art to share with people, which I did do more so when I was getting into the hobby, um, I really enjoy teaching. And uh, whatever stage you're at, mine's often, you know, close to the beginning. And I imagine other people here would be teaching. 
it's really nice seeing um you know just if someone can say like is that it when you've showed them you know how to do x or how to do y however basic that is um that's probably the kind of sharing bit of the hobby that i get to do the most or you know providing feedback or stuff like that on whatever level um and more so in later years that's or more recent years that's become a huge part of it for me um whether that's remotely or in person less frequently but always very highly valued when it can be um yeah that's become a, a much larger part for me very cool Actually, and dave i'm kind of curious to get your take on this because part of your career lately for the last few years has been as a publisher um you know putting forth the work of other miniatures painters out there you know and sharing that with the world yeah yeah definitely with the um like the art of books uh i think it goes to something that um Shoshi was saying there talking about miniatures not just being that hobby or the craft of creating um game pieces but working on the the i guess there's that, that definition of artistic as being uh something that is designed to elicit a, a, a response an emotional response um so looking at um and working with artists that have that do that for for me when i look at their miniatures i have a response to their their artwork um has been uh absolutely amazing and um the number of people that are are doing that uh now um is is incredible so it's very exciting to to see that continuing development of, of um as Shoshi was saying is the people using miniatures as the medium to deliver their uh, artistic ideas. Yeah, and it's, it's been such a rapid development, too, in a lot of ways. Because I think, you know, even up until, like, the mid-2000s, you know, miniatures painting was, was, you know, more or less 100% for gaming, right? And I, I feel like maybe kind of starting with a lot of the European groups, um, you know, out of, like, around, out, out of and around the Rackham painters and such in, like, the mid-2000s um, was when we kind of started to see people approaching it, you know, really as fine art. And it's grown so rapidly since then. I, I think, Matt, you've, you've had a show, haven't you? It was a gallery show. Yeah, that was uh, the last three months of the previous year, so in 2022, we had a gallery show um, of my work, a solo show at the um, history, Art and History Museum in Jefferson County, where I live, um, and it was just like super well received, and the greatest part was that, you know, 90% or more of the people going in there had never seen a miniature in their entire life, and they were just completely blown away by the art. It was like, yeah. you know, there was no one questioning whether it was art or not. Um, and they were just completely blown away by it. So um, I really feel like there's a lot of space for uh, people to really enjoy it. Now, getting a, getting a show was difficult, um, but uh, I'm looking forward to being able to show again. Um, and it just really wanted, really presented it as art, you know? Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I just really had to think very hard about how I wanted to present the work, how I wanted to, you know, put it in such a way that a general audience is going to appreciate it. Because, of course, like, people who are into miniatures are going to appreciate it. Um, but how can I actually make a connection with just anybody who walks in that door? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah uh, it, it was a fun challenge. It's interesting. Something I, I recently discovered was um, a... Uh... I was invited to join a, a miniatures group on Facebook, but it's not, it's not gaming miniatures. It's like miniatures art in general. So it's like, it, it's a lot of amateur stuff, but professionals as well. So anything 
kind of ranging from like dollhouse stuff to dioramas, uh, but it's, it's very much separate from the miniatures gaming world. Um, and uh, one of the things that's fascinating is that there's a lot of really beautiful work, but when it comes to actually painting like miniature people, as far as the dollhouses and railroads and like dioramas of the, the skill set is very, I, I don't want to say primitive, but it's, it's very simple where, you know, they'll paint a face a single color and they won't paint the eyes. And then once in a while, somebody will paint, they'll show their miniature, their, 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 you know, their, their war machine figures or their Warhammer figure in there once in a while. And everybody's blown away about like the detailing that gets painted onto, onto the actual miniature. And it's fascinating because those two skill sets have probably never interacted. It never occurred to those people like, oh, you could paint the face like you paint everything else. It, it's been very strange to see to me. So I don't know if anybody's ever sort of thought about that, but it, it, I feel like the, these two, these, the art worlds are very separate in some ways. Uh, they are. And they're, uh, they're, they're kind of, they don't involve leaving the house, right? So that's a huge factor. Yeah. <laughs> so largely, at least anyway, and if it does involve leaving the house and it's at a con or classes or, you know, a, a location, that location is widely or almost exclusively attended by other people who already know they exist. So, um, yeah, it's almost accidentally insular, I think. And that's probably part of it, you would, um, you would imagine. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, there's a... YouTuber that I started following about probably about 18 months ago. Um, the YouTube channel is Night Shift. Um, and he does fantastic uh, scale modeling uh, stuff, sort of uh, a lot of scale model tanks, and has very particular ways of going through everything and doing the, the weathering and the chipping and modulation and so on. Uh, and then whenever he's working on a diorama that has figures in it, his approach or his um, explanation of the way that he's working on it is very different. It's, it's very simplified and um, it's almost like he's not 100% confident with the way that he's working. Yeah. The rest of his work is brilliant and the work on his figures is, is really good, but he's just doesn't, it's just a different approach. And I keep think, looking at it and thinking, why? Why? Why do you think different? <laughs> yeah, it, it's been interesting because you know I, I feel like in the miniatures uh, gaming world, every six to eight months somebody repackages a uh, you know some sort of ancient painting skill or scale modeling skill, <laughs> and the hobby the hobby world is is, is blown away by it, right? Um, you even can though use it's a dry palette, use new right exactly. Wow. Um, Anyway, there's nothing wrong with that, um, but you know it, it's it's these big gaps in knowledge and because I think the miniatures gaming they, they they don't think of themselves as artists for the most part, right? They think of themselves as craftspeople if they think of it at all. So I, I was I was fascinated to see in the fine art world and these other hobbies where you know um, we actually you know we have a, we have one up on them for a change. Well, I think that like miniatures as an art form, unlike a lot of other art forms, it's actually really uh cross-trained thing there's like so many different skills that you have to have have to all come together into one package to really you know get the most out of out of it you know and some some artists they're just at that point where they've learned one or two skills and they've like learned them really really well um and you know the guy who paints tanks is a great example i mean he's like probably amazing at that you know um but when it comes to faces and people and stuff that's a completely different separate thing um and then you get to the point where you want to like make your 100 percent real you know, you know like learning sculpting um it just, just like all of these things so 
the great thing about that is that there's always something new to learn, some some new way you can expand your like knowledge. Um, but you know, sometimes you want to do something and you have to learn a lot in order to like be able to achieve what's in your head as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I think we're going to go and move on to the next question. I think this is going to be a fun one. Uh, and this question that I pose to my members is what frustrates you about miniatures painting? I think what frustrates me the most about miniatures painting, and there's actually not a lot that does, I really had to think about this question, but I think what frustrates me the most about miniatures painting is how much patience a lot of the advanced techniques require. So things like smoother blending, non-metal metallics, advanced glazing, and techniques like that require a lot of patience that I'm still sussing out that if I have or not as I try and advance my skills. The thing that always annoys me with painting is when you come to put in the base layers because all you're doing is just putting this solid flat color onto the mini and it just saps all of the detail, all of the contours out. So you're just left with this flat thing as it were and if you've taken a bit of time out uh, because you've had other things to do and um, maybe come back to try and carry on with the mini a few days later I always find it's a bit of a struggle because I'm, I'm just looking at this flat thing. The biggest thing honestly that frustrates me about miniature painting is whenever I pick up a model and some piece that's been meticulously glued on just snaps off. You mean aside from trying to paint eyes? Probably analysis paralysis. I've been playing tabletop gaming for a very long time, uh, since the mid-80s probably. And in that time, I've amassed a lot of unpainted lead and unpainted plastic. And so if I don't have a deadline and a firm project, I can go downstairs and look at things and go, well, do I want to paint Battletech or Warhammer or Saga or Gangs of Rome or whatever and spend more time agonizing over that than just sitting down and working at something, and that, that really frustrates me sometimes. There are two main things that frustrates me when it comes to painting minis. Uh, first is painting is simple, but also extremely complex. For every rule that one person has, someone else says the complete opposite. And two, I really just don't like prepping the minis. Um, all the steps to properly prep a mini can take nearly as long as painting does, and I really enjoy the painting part. All right, so I'm going to pose the same question to you, uh, and this time let's start with uh, Dave. Dave, uh, what frustrates you about miniatures painting? Uh, I don't. Um, for myself, uh, I don't really find anything particularly frustrating. Um, I'm very happy with how my painting is at the moment, so yeah. that's all good. <laughs> um, but in the broader sense, um, and I think it was touched on once or twice by the, um, the respondents, uh, is... I get frustrated when um, folks present uh, opinion as fact. Um, so when somebody has an opinion on how something sh should be done, um, they present it as the, this is the way, this is the way to paint this miniature in this particular way, um, rather than presenting it as an option. Sure. Um, I think uh, it's, it's important for people to 
to know that there there are options and there are different ways to approach things and different ways are going to work for different people differently. Uh, so yeah, um, it, it it always frustrates me, particularly when then when people go, okay, well, no, I'm not going to listen to what you've said or what you've suggested because this is the way. And so so and so told me that this is the way. It's like okay. Let's, let's break things down first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For me, that's that's one of the things I find most frustrating about uh, miniatures painting. So for you, it's it's other miniatures painters. Mm, it's the yeah. the approach that some like driving. there's the other people on the road. <laughs> yeah, so no, I actually have something to say about that too. I, I like yeah, go for it, Matt. There, um, Dave, if you don't mind. Um, I'll go for it. Yeah, yeah, like um, it, it, I just thought. That was kind of interesting because the first two answers there in the pre-recorded bit, um, you know, talking about how smooth blends and non-metallic metals that you have to have a patience because they take a really, really long time. Like that's not necessarily even true because, like, it's more about actually knowing, having the knowledge about where to put things, you know, and and also having a you know efficient. Um, uh, work process that as far as blending goes like layering is what is the process that is maybe really really slow you need a lot of patience for there's other ways to do it um and then there's the second one about like laying down solid base coats and that's really boring and and it's kind of like there's another way to do it where you're you know instead of laying down base coats you're kind of like sketching out areas of like shadow midtone and highlight and that can make that stage a lot more fun. So it's kind of like those are those are maybe like established things. It's like, oh, this is the way to do it. And that's maybe what's causing people frustration is that they're doing these established things that a lot of people are doing. And there's actually other alternative ways to do it that they might find more interesting. Yeah, it's 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 when people are fighting against those uh, false paradigms, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I just found that interesting. I, I was making that connection while you were talking, Dave. So yeah, there's something actually I want to come back to about that um, as well. But uh, well, I got you, Matt. What frustrates you about miniatures painting? Uh, me, <laughs> um, in my own like, I, I would say whenever I'm painting, I don't feel frustrated. Uh, like I, I actually find it very like enjoyable and relaxing. Like even when I'm doing something very hard that I haven't done before. I actually really enjoy that, but um, the things that I find the most frustrating is just all of the extra stuff I have to do once I'm finished with a piece, like taking photos of it, getting it all fixed yeah. up, putting it online. I, I'm not very, um, I have like, <laughs> this is a little personal, but I have like a lot of social anxiety, so like getting my stuff out there and like everything like is really, it's challenging for me, you know? So that, mm -hmm. I think that that's, and I'm frustrated, I get frustrated with myself because I am that way, you know? Sure. So I think that that's like probably the most frustrating thing having to do with miniatures with me. <laughs> um, but I totally empathize with like all of the things that everybody else has said, actually, like, it's like, oh yeah, cleaning things up. That's a little bit less, that's like a little frustrating. And, and we've all broken that piece or whatever and been yeah. frustrated by that too. <laughs> so yeah, I totally get all of those, all those things. It's just maybe found ways around them as i've you know been doing this for a long time <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's the prep for me i i especially if it's resin i i hate prepping resin miniatures having to, to, to wash the goddamn things and 
dry them off and here you gotta like you know get the get the boiling water out and, and bend the piece back into shape but yeah that's the, that's my personal <laughs> trial um byron how about you what what, what frustrates you about miniatures uh, so I love that everyone already, the moment it got to us guys answering, people like, well, is it about me or is it the world in general? Um, I What frustrates me with miniature painting, like when stuff goes wrong for me, which is what I find frustrating, it's always my fault and it's always the same patterns and I should know better. So, yeah. you know, it's, <laughs> it's, me, it's me rushing. Normally it's something to do with my midtones um, or something like that. Um, and like, I should know better by now. So it's that, but... The, like the other half of this question that other people have already touched on really nicely um i think that that's an absolutely huge topic of discussion like the um you could talk about it in terms of like misinformation or you know opinion is fact which has already been touched on which i think is you know it's a genuine problem in the hobby currently and it's only going to become more of a you know, you know problem's a difficult word for it but you know it will be an issue as more people come in from a wider spectrum and they are taught you know one first way to do things which they take as the only or right way um with no other paths especially if those the paths that people start on i'll use like a contrast painting for an example nothing wrong with it great absolute means to an end but it won't teach you the basics of dilution uh, in the same way that some other things would and people used to take a, a slightly more patient path on their journey i think and by mm -hmm. the time they got there bunny is whatever you may deem that you know managed to paint their first unit their first model their first army I think people's uh, kind of all-round knowledge base was at a far higher level than it is these days. Um, and there's, you know, there's a million factors to that. Miniatures are really complicated now because they can be. Uh, computer aided design has kind of, you know, that's opened up a, an entire can of worms. I'm not sure if all, all of it is good in terms of the level of complexity of miniatures, but out of necessity, people are finding ways to teach it easier, faster. But people are getting to the point where after their first mini, they know less than people used to, I think. I don't know if other people would agree with that, but um, I think that leads to uh, to quite a lot of frustration for people because maybe they don't know the value of a flat base coat, um, yeah. which is boring as hell to put down. As is assembly, I entirely agree with that. If I'm not being creative, I'm bored, period. So I, I fully understand that, but you know, knowing that once you've done it, it'll make a huge difference to your paint job um, if you haven't done it yourself and that wasn't the way that you were initially taught it, then why would you appreciate how important it is? You know, it's just that one example. It's really interesting. I, I never considered that myself, but you, you, I think you're really onto something there where, you know, the, the, the complexity of the hobby is such that, you know, people are, are really looking for, for shortcuts in ways that never would occur to anybody back when, you know, your average miniature was a, you know, a two-dimensional uh, piece of metal, you know. <laughs> right. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> you were lucky to have some pouches sculpted on there, let alone, you know how many Gugas are, are on the average, you know, workshop manager at this point. So that's, that's really fascinating to me. And I will come back to that for sure. Uh, but Shoshi, what, if anything, frustrates you about miniatures painting? I, so I think things are less frustrating than they used to be. But when I first began doing this, I was, um, I was also really irritated by the rigidity of how there really wasn't much um, space for personal style. And everything had to be like smooth and, and things have changed quite a bit and I see a lot more differences. I actually I, I know a gal who puts um, like nail art gemstones and stuff on her necrons. I've and, seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's super and, cool. Yeah, and I mean I think that the the rigidity came from 
people wanting to replicate box art and a company having a like flat style across the board of their brand and then that that becoming and because because miniature painting came from gaming that's why there was like this there's this only one way and then competitions reinforce that by saying you know you have to have it perfectly smooth or you know technically perfect in order to call it good you know erasing erasing the fact that something doesn't need to be technically perfect in order to be good art and so i think a lot of that is changing it's been slow but it takes you know it takes people moving the line and saying like this this is you know acceptable this is okay you know Sure. I think Byron wants to respond to you, Shoji. I think, his, you know, we came from a historic background, or the, the, the hobby did come from a historic background, and you can absolutely see why it would have started off like that. But also stuff is tiny, and readability, you know, clear edges on things or stuff like that. I think those two combined kind of uniquely in miniature painting um, that has led to this absolute obsession with, you know, there's one way and it's this way, and probably it involves, you know, everything becoming lighter at the edge and it's darker in the shadows, whether that's realistic or not. Um, and having started from that, it, it, it does seem like it has been an unnaturally slow shift given the variety of what's out there these days for um, kind of things to start shifting more acceptably in every direction because it is a creative hobby. Yeah, you know, something I, I, this is going to kind of pose, pose this back to you, Byron, actually, because I, I think you're in a unique position to talk about it. Um, but you know, the earliest miniatures painting styles in gaming, you know, came out of, you know, I guess D&D miniatures and so forth, and they were they were very simple, and the scale was very small, um, but, you know, you would just put them on the board, and it was, if your miniature was painted at all, it was a nice bonus, um, but the first the first time that I think miniatures wargaming painting got really solidified as an overall style, outside of historicals, just sort of its own thing, where, you know, I was, we're trying to, you know, recreate uh, specific looks, was Citadel in the 90s, um, and the first time that that was challenged was probably in the early 2000s from Rackham, um, but where I'm going with all this is that those, those styles have really solidified and, and become very rigid, but, you know, um, as far as the studios and the official products go, but there are some weird places where I think the, the community itself put its own, um, prescriptions out there, right? Like for the longest time, dry brushing was considered, you know, just a thing that babies did when they started painting. And if you were still <laughs> dry brushing, you would, you would never do it, you know? And I think that only really started to change in the last decade. And a lot of that was because of artist opus and the way you guys have sort of reinvigorated dry brushing as a very, you know, authentic um, and legitimate skill. Thank you. That's, that's super duper kind. Um, yeah. I like, it, it always struck me as really weird because I was taught it the same way that probably most people were in the UK at least, because, you know, we're in a tiny densely populated country and most towns had a games workshop. And for people of my age, at least that's how we got into the hobby. You went to your local town and you saw toy soldiers and you never looked back or whatever. And you walked in and dry brushing was how you were taught to paint the base. And if it was your first time ever and you were particularly young, it was taught, it was how you taught to paint all of the figure. Um, but um, one of the things that I find really weird about dry brushing is the dry brushes that were used were just flats from fine yeah. art and they were used because they existed. That there is no other reason than that, right? <laughs> right. So, because for um, you know, if you're dry brushing in one direction and you're dry brushing wood grain or two, you know, back and forth, left and right, um, across the grain, not down it, they will work. But they are absolutely, completely not the right tools for the job. But they did exist, 
and and that's just such a weird thing that no one was like well you know i can only use these from two directions that feels wrong um and it persists to this day right because like if you go to games workshop and you buy their dry brushes they're flats yeah yeah i think um probably margin has something to do with it because sure to, uh, to like put more a lot more hair in like tons more hair that is finer that you know how thick it is fine and finer is in quality fine is is way less profitable <laughs> like by miles um so that'll have something to do with it but um i i do find it really strange the other thing is if you use those brushes badly it is harder to clean them because it's harder to get to the middle um and i know from an april fool's video recently where i dipped a brush and it took every ounce of courage that i had like straight into the ferrule to the metal into paint <laughs> and then plowed it into a paper towel like we were taught as kids um it's really hard to bring a brush back from that whereas a yeah. flat you can kind of pretend to bring back you started its death but <laughs> sure. you, know, you, can, you can revive it a little but if you never go that far and you never go to the metal um they will last forever like mine get shorter as in like half their height over four years before they actually die um but yeah i think it's it's kind of fascinating that no one um no one questioned it and i think it's just a perfect example of people thinking like, well that'll do and then they didn't they didn't think any further which maybe you could say about painting styles or people using oil paints or or anything a lot of which have probably been popularized by even if it's sideways from historical painting it seems so weird that we forgot that existed when it's been used for like decades yeah. um and now it's really big and in vogue and it's a it, you know it's a, an exciting new thing it's not it's ancient <laughs> right. it's just we're in our own little bubble aren't we really are yeah no it's, it's funny about that so it was mostly like they like to add about their frustrations with finished painting as uh, as individuals or the hobby as a whole all right well we will move on to the next question then and uh that is a big one and it's going to be what do you think is coming in the future of miniatures painting I'm not really sure what's coming in the future of miniature painting. I just know there's a lot of really neat things that have just came out, like speed paints and a lot of the technical paints. It's really helping the future of the hobby. I think what's going to come in the future and probably the near future is a lot more companies will embrace the idea of 3D printing, either to make things in-house or to sell the STLs directly to the consumer and people will be printing more of their armies at home. And I think because of that, you'll also see a lot more miniatures agnostic games where you just need any science fiction model to play this game or any fantasy model. And you kind of use your miniatures in their game system. I think the future of miniatures painting is going to be in uh, new techniques and, and tutorials that become popular. I think we only have to look at the emergence of contrast paints and uh, slap chop, which is tied to contrast paints. Slap chop really couldn't exist in its current form without uh, contrast type paints. And I think we're gonna start to see more methods like that come out. I think if you asked me this question five years ago, I probably would have pointed towards what's happening right now with the emergence of 3D printing, leading more people to paint things like busts as opposed to um, you know miniatures for for gaming and uh i would have pointed also to uh the emergence of all these different paint ranges 
that claim to do one technique or ha better than the others or have one aspect that sort of sets it out from the crowd, I think we're going to see those plateau. And what the future of miniatures wargaming is, or the next wave is really, I guess, what I'm talking about rather than sort of a, an opaque future, all-encompassing future. I think the next wave of miniatures painting is going to be based around creatives and what we see on social media platforms like TikTok or um, YouTube and things like that. And as more people start to make their careers or a big part of their income in these platforms, these social media platforms, we're going to start to see them get they're gonna we're gonna start to see them offering a service through those platforms which can't be physical really they're gonna be tutorials and they're gonna be methods and they could be the things that have already existed slap chop and even contrast aren't things that were really invented um by the people that that brought them into the public they were people sort of worked did similar things in the past but i think that we're going to start to see these more these techniques and these these tutorials come to the fore and really uh, take miniatures painting by storm. Whether they're fads or they uh, have any lasting impact, I can't really say, but I think that's what we're going to start to see more and more as um, 3D printing and paint technology sort of reach their, uh, their plateau. It's kind of difficult to say what the new big thing's going to be in the world of painting because uh, only in the last couple of years we've ended up with Citadel's contrast paints, the uh, the Army Painter speed paints, the Vallejo range, uh, which have suddenly moved into that territory. But it's it's really difficult to try and see what there could be that could come out unless uh, somehow you end up with this sort of spray-on thing where it just automatically does it for you, you know, like in, in the world of the Jetsons or... Like these sci-fi programs where you push a button and bang, it's done. But in in a way, that that would kind of completely defeat the purpose of it. Like uh, I know there was a uh, a Kickstarter campaign a few years ago that I think Hero Forge did with the uh, the, uh, the printed and painted minis. Which yeah, don't get me wrong, it's great if if you haven't really got the time to paint a mini to use in the game. But again, it's kind of one of those things that just takes the painting away from the actual painting itself if that makes sense uh it, it's just really how anyone finds any sort of process that uh that they can work with that they think is gonna improve them, themselves really and of course unless we get tartan paint suddenly coming a, a big thing <laughs> so uh fabulous lot answer the question. Lots of talk about um, new techniques, but I think even more so was, was sort of new types of paints uh, along the lines of contrast and stuff. So uh, let's go to you. Matt, uh, what do you think is coming in the future of miniatures painting? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I really don't know. Um, I, in some ways, I maybe not the best person to ask about this. I mean, um, I, this well, thing that I would like to see, I guess, but yeah, I was gonna say, why don't you tell us what you what you would hope to see in the future of it? Uh, well, like my hope is to see, you know, more people feeling like they can express themselves, um, 
with their work and having something to say with the work. I would love to see that. I mean, I think that that's always going to be a very sort of a minority of, of folks, you know, um, and that's okay. Um, but I'd love to see, I, I think, and I think we will see this a lot of, a lot more. I mean, we're already seeing a lot more people, um, not taking the shortcuts with the painting and like really wanting to understand light lighting on the figures and like um the light and drama of and proper placement of highlights and shadows dependent upon that i think that that's like you know um really coming into the foreground um and uh that's great i love to teach that to people um but also just like um being free to you know, paint something to express themselves and like, you know, not have to copy box art and stuff like that. And sure. I'd like to see, I mean, we, we've seen that all throughout miniature painting history, honestly, but, uh, you know, I think that the, the like, um, rise of sort of seeing light and shadow on the figure and rep trying to represent that as opposed to, you know, the more dogmatic way that miniature painting came about, which was like, you know, what I'd like to call painting in relief, you know, things that are deeper on the figure being shadowed, things that are high yeah. in relief being lit, like, that's a way to paint, um, but that's not what we see in real life. So, right. um, you know, in real life, the highlights and shadows are placed dependent upon, like, a lighting situation, and that's one of the things that I try to, like, get my students to base their painting off of. And I think that that's becoming a lot more, you know, um, uh, it's it's a lot more to to learn, and you, there's no automatic there's this fewer automatic techniques, I guess, um, to do that. Um, so it's usually something that people learn a little bit later after they've yeah. learned, you know, that that uh, the painting relief style. But um, I think that just there's so much so many more resources out there right now for people to learn than when I started for sure. There's sure, like yeah. There was like nothing for me when I started. It was just like I don't know, like white dwarf and that was it, you know. So Yeah, nowadays, whatever the guy at the local game shop knew, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So nowadays there's just so much more out there. Um, you know, and sometimes uh that's good and sometimes it kind of creates this this bubble where like everybody's kind of saying the same thing whatever that new uh thing is um <laughs> or they're saying that same old thing you know because uh, naturally you're gonna have more people who know that and they're all gonna want to like you know share that with people they want to share their knowledge they because they want more people to paint so they're out there sharing that knowledge and it kind of creates this a bit of an echo chamber that we were talking about earlier but I think that more and more we're seeing people kind of break out of that and like, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, base it. And I think that, you know, basing things off of light and shadow, that's, that's really more what you'd see in, uh, you know, fine art painting, you know, if they're painting, uh, realistically, for example. So, yeah. um, it's exciting for, to see more and more people painting that way. And, um, yeah, I, I always, I always like try to get people to, um, sort of think more along those lines and it can be a really like a uh, transformation for their art. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Shoshi? What do you think is coming in the future? Oh, okay. So this is a really like pet project of mine um, because I'm actively trying to pioneer 
um, a movement um, within miniature painting. Um, I've created a line currently to, to kind of address some of the things that I've been seeing um, in minis and in actually what I found it, the whole fantasy like genre is missing. And so I'm trying to help build more community with um, like women, people of color, queer representation, and to build more people, bring new blood into the hobby because I feel like if we can get more different types of people creating the miniatures, we will have lots of more different kinds of representation, more ideas, more, we'll get that newness that we would like to see automatically. Um, and so currently with my own, I have started my own line of miniatures and it is made almost entirely by women. The only thing that's not is my casting. My casting company's got some men in it, but my sculptor, my concept artist, myself, my box artists, my influencers um, are all women. The minis are designed with a female gaze in mind. So um, you can you can see there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm using these miniatures to kind of have a message about the, the first series is about male beauty and male emotion. And that's something we don't really get in minis, especially gaming minis. Yeah. Um, but these are these are meant to be display minis. Um, so, I'm, you know, when we look at male emotion in minis and fantasy art in general, we get like generally three emotions. We get anger, stoicism, and neutral. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we all know men that are, you know joyous and who are intellectual and who are you know thoughtful and caring and I am trying to depict this because I don't see it I don't see it in this um in the miniature world right now not a lot anyway yeah so yeah this is where I I, I know like a lot of women joined COVID, during COVID the miniature hobby because they were mm -hmm. home and they maybe were spending time with their significant others who painted and um i've noticed that like just a big surge of new kinds of people who've never done painting are, are now painting and um 3d printing is a new gateway like if we can get younger people um to start sculpting then again we'll get different kinds of rep representation from people i think that the different gates that used to be closed to people to produce minis are no longer as much of a factor because of 3D yeah. printing. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, that's that's my hope is that more people get into producing um, that ha that aren't the type of people who are currently producing, you know, because that's where we'll see really new and different things. Because sure. people will be bringing their perspectives and their 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 life um outlooks to their to their work yeah and the whole hub will be richer for it absolutely absolutely and that's just it like i this is one of my complaints about the miniature hobby right now currently is that i keep seeing the same themes regurgitated in different ways over and over and over again and it, sometimes it feels a little stale like think yeah about the, Think about the last time you saw a new exciting miniature idea 
that you're like, whoa, that's really cool and different. I haven't, you know, there's not a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it looks like Matt has a question or yeah. some input on this. Uh, I just uh, wanted to say that um, I really appreciate what Shoshi said there and what she's, you know, trying to do. Like, um, and I think that it's one of the things that are as, that does hold major miniatures as an art form outside of like um the fine art community if i it's like within fine art if you are using something that's like violent uh themes or like highly sexualized like you you want to have some sort of reason for that you know uh so because just like careless use of those things like can it's not very uh, <laughs> it's not very mindful of the audience you know um now, so it's one of that that's something we see in miniatures a lot um and and um you know uh i think that at least in my own work i've been trying to sort of control that and um yeah i think that's something we need to be aware of is that if we want to be taken seriously we need to take our own work seriously in a sense um and i, I but i really love uh what Shoshi was saying there about having different voices and then also like representing, you know, men in such a way that's like nuanced and, you know, has, has a wider range of emotion and themes than just, uh, you know, these violent uh, and angry sort of things that we see. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I'm trying to say with this particular series is that there are really as many ways to be a man as there are men and that we limit ourselves when we look at the, the typical fantasy tropes of the fighter, the warrior, the wizard, you know, these things like, you know, we can have a sexy wizard. We can have, uh, you know, a gentle orc. I mean, different things like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so there's, there's something I want to come back to about the, the broader, the broadening of what miniatures gaming and painting is, but uh, I'd like to get to Byron's take on uh, what he thinks is coming in the futures of miniatures painting. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that the, the guys here have answered fairly differently to the viewers and a lot of people are talking about kind of soft stuff rather than hard stuff being like ideas or principles rather than product. Um, I think there's probably a reason for that, which is that I don't think like that the selection of products is incredible these days, especially paint, like paints kind of been pushed maybe nearly as far as it can get. Yeah. Largely. <laughs> um, you know, as far as actual paint goes, um, I think it, uh, the kind of um, pro like the proliferation of technical paints is actually partially responsible for people thinking they can't achieve things with normal paints that technical paints can achieve and that's something I feel fairly passionately about actually you know people can paint rust with three colors they don't have to have a rust product to do so um, and I actually think the kind of the uh, the, the widening and perhaps um, you know the, the, you could say it's getting a bit more shallow as well like things getting wider and wider and wider but with very few colors and a little bit of knowledge, which has been touched on by most people, you know, you can achieve quite a lot. So I, I actually think we're kind of due a slightly, especially with the internet and all the information out there, we're kind of due a little period of maybe things not expanding so rapidly in terms of products, but then expanding in terms of the knowledge, how creative people are being, you know, it's already been touched on by others, you know, um, pulling from different sources or maybe stuff that isn't based in, a world at war, which is just going to happen if people found their way into the Hobby Buyer Games Workshop, which it's easy to say most people do, which is set at war. 
um, if people start wondering what else exists, then they're going to wander into different places. Um, I think teaching is a large part of that as well. You know, there's so many different teachers available and probably the States is ahead with attitudes towards this, I'd say. Maybe mainland Europe as well, like Spain. <laughs> Spain's going to get ridiculous soon with the amount of academies sure. it's got. But um, attitudes towards teaching are very open in America. I think they are, in the UK at least, we're probably lagging a little bit behind with that. But what you can learn, Matt touched on it, you know, if, if, you, if you got advice from Matt, what you could learn in one session with a professional is unbelievable. And I think that is becoming more known um, and people are attending stuff like that more or classes are getting bigger or, you know, um, classes are being done for total beginners more. So people who have just stepped into the hobby and bought their first start collecting box might, you know, in two months go and attend a class and start thinking about light and shadow and setting and theme or stuff like that. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think um, my, my view is not particularly product based. It's, you know, I think things are going to suddenly explode and get very open because uh, maybe because we've kind of got as far as we can with products in a lot of situations, you know, there'll be some things out there. Um, but uh, I don't know what more we can do with technical paints. That's for sure. Cause my God, yeah. the last five years has been crazy. Um, and very few of them have actually innovated. I would say, um, you know, really, truly um, have brought something incredibly new. There are a few and they're extra unique for it, but um, yeah. Um, a lot of uh, widening and opening of the scene, I think, is kind of, it's uh, it's long overdue and it's happening. And it's happening fairly quick at the moment, I think. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And finally, Dave, how, how do you think it is? What do you think is coming in the future? Um, it's I always uh, hate questions like this because um, I think I always try to exist in the moment and yeah uh, when it comes to miniature painting like what i'm working on right now uh but sure um i i was um i'm very heartened to hear that um the way that shoshi's doing so i am all behind that uh expanding the the number of people the um backgrounds of people uh that are involved in the miniatures painting hobby uh or creating miniatures uh painting art is um yeah, it's 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 something that will bring its own uh, surprises and newness and uh, exciting things. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, right that's, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, sure. So I think almost everybody kind of touched on this a little bit is um, new perspectives, not just on um, the painting, but the hobby as a whole. And this is something that's come kind of a few times for me. In conversations both on the podcast and with other ga with game developers um, in the past few months, and that's looking at miniatures gaming from a non-war based perspective, right? Um, you know, I talked with my guest last month on the podcast. Uh, we were discussing that there's a, a movement on Discord for miniatures games that have nothing to do with war, right? There was there's an article in Polygon about a game that's about sheep herding. You know, um, it uses miniatures; they're painted. You've got terrain and all that, but there's no there's no combat. Um, and I think it's really interesting to hear so many of you talking about, you know, coming at it from a non-war-based perspective. You know, I, I presume we have something like to add about, you know, what what other what other kinds of ways can we get into miniatures gaming uh, miniature gaming miniatures that mess, aren't necessarily about killing each other? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Like the sheep herding game's great. Um, I know somebody's got something in development I can't talk about right now, but uh, I'd love to hear your perspectives on that. 
Yeah, when I was, uh, um, this was years ago, um, but there was one guy in Bellingham where I went to college, and he would always show up to the local little, like, convention, which was really just, like, a gathering at the game store thing, and he would always, like, make his own, like, games, he would write his own games, and bring all all painted miniatures for people to play with and stuff. And the one that really stuck in my mind was one called like the Breakfast of Man, and it was about uh, surviving as cavemen in like you know, <laughs> you know, cavemen yeah. trying to survive or something like that. So there's still that sort of drama and that like you know, and everything, but it's not about like you know a couple of people killing people trying to kill each other and stuff like that so that was just one that popped into my head i think that like uh, i think it's a great idea i would love to you know be <laughs> i totally 100 percent support uh something different than uh than war these days <laughs> can i say something about that please do um so my so like i was raised a pacifist, pacifist. my dad was a conscientious objector during vietnam so he didn't we weren't even allowed to have squirt guns when i was growing up so this is kind of reflected in my my minis aren't gaming minis, but they could be. You could make a game out of them. Um, but all of them are they're they're not ever using a weapon like brandished to hurt somebody. It might be a prop or it might be a tool. Um, but basically, what I'm going for is kind of like slice of life, almost like if Norman Rockwell met miniatures. You know, yeah. What what would these minis be doing? You know, when they're not killing people and, and in battle and, and that they're human beings. And that's the thing I think um, humanizing um, these, these, the subjects of our, of our miniatures um, is, is, a, is another way to get to that. And you can put that in gaming as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny, I've, over time, I, don't wrong, I love miniatures wargaming. You know, I've got big armies. I'm working on a few of them at the moment. Uh, I'm always going to love Wargaming. Um, but, you know, I'm more and more over the years, the miniatures that really get me excited are often civilian stuff. Like, you know, I love um, so much of Annie Norman's Bad Squiddo stuff where, you know, it's, it's they may be kind of wargaming related, but it's, you know, it's, it's miniatures doing their job. Like, you know, whether it's, it's um, you know, radio men or, you know, she's got her auxiliary forces. I love seeing that kind of stuff. And, you know, I wonder if there aren't ways to approach gaming with, you know, gaming conflict that isn't about shooting each other, right? Yeah, there absolutely is. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of games out there already that address that, and it wouldn't be difficult to design miniatures for similar things. I think also, I mean, I think this concept of war, one of the things I've tried to do with my own work is when I, I have done a number of miniatures about war because it is such a big theme within our, our you know, the miniatures culture. But I've tried to, take it a different way you know <laughs> have it actually something that humanizes people who are thrust into these situations or um get gets you to think a little bit or make connection rather than just having it be either glorifying or you know just exciting or whatever now yeah. that being said i mean i i got into miniatures through wargaming as well and i enjoyed you know that combative sort of game to play as well so there's nothing wrong with that either i'm not trying to say that you know but um, i think that it's a, a concept at least when you're when you're trying to you know make something that's not about gaming like the minute just painting miniatures that aren't being meant to be used for a game uh it's something to be um 
sort of like conscious of you know what are you what how is this going to be interpreted what are you trying to say sort of thing Byron, did you have something to say before? I think we maybe we cut you off. No, absolutely all good. Um, I was just going to kind of touch on the uh, like the openness and more people coming into the hobby and stuff like that. I think um, uh, there is a lot of stuff we do on our hobby that is kind of shame based, um, and this gets mentioned in various ways by various people. You know, cover of shame, pile of shame. Shame is like a frequently used word. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, the guilt of your hobby, like how how much the weight of your unpainted grey plate plastic you know all that type of stuff but um probably i would argue the like the healthiest place to start anything like this is just if the hobby is approached with pride both internally and externally i think that is a very good place for a lot of things to start like if you take a gaming center for example if you walk in and it smells bad and it's dark and the stock's not even lit up or organized and it's on the floor and you don't want to even use the bathroom and you won't let your kids use the bathroom that is not going to help a hobby one bit um also like neither is everything being covered in skulls or stuff like sure. that right so um i or think boobs. That there's or boobs oh yeah. exactly right like super imaginative both of those great never seen that before but um yeah if if the hobby is handled in pride and people are happy about their hobby like one of the first places like we kind of talk about this all the time with our product designers like well what's allowed in the rooms that aren't the basement um <laughs> and uh -huh. that's you know that is a that is a cornerstone of every single discussion we have for everything and the moment you talk about taking it outside of that or you know what if i was to prevent this present this miniature to my grandma you know not my peer you know what would she like or think was cool or something like that it completely opens things up um and there is a you know there is definitely a, i use that example um that's actually the example of a painter called joshua lie is incredible i don't know if you guys know his work he does beautiful stuff it's super touching and um that's the question he asks himself before a load of his pieces um you know what will my grandma think of this and you can tell when you look at his work like, yeah you can absolutely tell but yeah like um pride and just approaching it like it is worth approaching and talking about and sharing i think is a really good start to anything like this it's not for the it's not only for the basement whilst on your own you know you can share it with your peers but you could also share it to other people and talk about it like it's cool and it's something amazing because it is absolutely i, so I, I think, live oh, in a, i was gonna say i live in a university town and my my husband used to work at the university and he would take me to some of these little um like office party things and you know university people always want to know what do you do Right. And so that's like the most important thing. And I would always get a kick out of saying, well, I paint toys for a living, you know, because then all of a sudden I was more interested. And that's that that pride thing that you were talking about, that that is really true in a lot of ways. Um, so I think this actually really great lead into our next question. So there's any, anybody has anything you'd like to add to this before we move on? All right. So, yeah. So my next question is going to be, how would you get more people to start painting miniatures? Um, and I think we're going to kind of naturally lead right into that. So let's hear what uh, my Brush Waters Union members had to say about it. I think that learn to paint kits are a great thing where you get, say, three or four miniatures, uh, half a dozen of basic colors, and a couple of beginner brushes are a great way to get people into the hobby. And I wish more companies embrace that. And sadly, not enough do. I think uh, the other way I'd get people to start painting is paint and takes or hangouts at your local game store where you go in and you paint because we always think of this as a solitary hobby the reality is you learn a lot by either 
watching someone or talking with someone and doing it right there in person where you're correcting each other or giving advice to each other and helping each other grow as painters. And I think the other thing that would actually help people is if you go online and you look for painted miniatures, you see a lot of beautiful stuff, Golden Demon or people's contest entries. And I think we need to paint more either works in progress, early works, failures, the stuff where you, you tried to paint something and it didn't work. Or this is where I started. This is where I, I began five years ago or two years ago or 20 years ago. And this is where I am now. And you know, show that there, there's progress, but that we all had to start somewhere. And oftentimes, our very first miniatures are kind of ugly when you look at them down the road. I would say for anyone who's trying to get into the world of mini painting or uh, part of the hobby, just absorb as much as you can. You know, just look at any sort of reference. It hasn't even got to be in miniatures. It could be artwork. It could just be sketches or photography. And just try and apply that in some sort of way that, uh, that you could in creating your own minis or your own bits of work. I'd say also... Don't be put off by a lot of the professional uh, pieces of work that you see. These people have spent loads and loads and loads of time. It is practically their life, I would say, and well done to them that they've got that far. But I could see how that could put a lot of people off when you're starting out with your first few minis, you know, your first few paints, and you're looking at something and going, well, why doesn't mine look like some of these really great bits of work? I, I, I will admit, I do it myself. I do kind of compare myself to other people but you you just have to realize you shouldn't you're your own person just try and find something that really works to your strength and run with that you know find a niche if you do find bits where uh, you're struggling one way or another with another bit then yeah uh, look, look at guides look at tutorials just keep trying something new maybe just see if you might be able to improve it and who knows it might might even get you off the ground and uh, might even improve other things uh, within your your ability to paint. I think what companies like Steamon and Steamforge Games are doing with the massive Kickstarters are a great way to get people started with miniature painting. You know, we just got the Monster Hunter World board game and Several people on the Facebook group are asking, how do I get started painting? And I've seen the same thing in the Marvel United groups and um, even Fantasy Flight games with the Lord of the Rings. And once you have something that people are already a fan of, they get excited about having painted minis. And then they want to know, how do I get started? I actually think there's a lot of fun ways to get more people into starting to paint miniatures. A lot of those involve things like family hobby days or paint and takes. How would I get more people to start painting minis is an interesting question because it can be read as how I would do it personally and how I would do it if I had the powers to sort of control the, the industry. And I guess to answer the first question is uh, I actually did this for a long time. I, I worked for almost two decades in games retail and I would run paint lessons, uh, paint contests, paint challenges, all sorts of stuff, and, you know, whether it was very serious learning um, sessions or whether it was sort of fun, sort of Iron Chef type challenges with paint. And so sort of making things um, approachable, personable, 
and getting out there into the community to show people that painting isn't as uh, hard as it is um, and is way less daunting than it seems. And I guess this sort of does dovetail into what I would do if I was sort of a, an, you know, an all-powerful control over the, the industry is um, I would focus a lot on uh, entry-level stuff. I would focus on getting, uh, I would focus on putting more um, models in uh, board games um, and sort of focusing more on getting models into licenses and properties that people are, that are popular, that maybe people don't, that aren't, who aren't miniatures painters are into. Um, it, you know, something like Warhammer 40,000 is, I think, is, is awesome. I love the, the setting and the background and the imagery. But maybe having some Avatar The Last Airbender models or... Um, this is going to show how out of touch I am. I, I, I can't really think of any other properties that are popular amongst amongst uh, the sort of general populace. Uh, Star Wars obviously has models that's doing quite well. Um, you know, Star Trek, um, Game of Thrones, things like that. So making models based on very popular properties and then coming out with tools that people can use that are easy and inexpensive. Um, I think the Army Painter does that pretty well in the inexpensive um realm. Uh, I think the emergence of contrast type paints is also doing a great job in showing that painting can actually be quite easy. I think, and a lot of the tutorials we're starting to see online that focus on um, entry-level painters is also quite good. I know uh, the painting phase is a newer one that their tutorials are almost entirely focused on getting models to the tabletop. Um, and so I think things like that is what I would do. I would, I, but I also think that's the industry is kind of doing that anyway. Um, I think, I guess, if I could get more people into it and I had the power to, I would steer it more in that direction. All right, so that's what my professional uh, members had to say. Lots of uh, sort of product and um, marketing-based answers. So I'm curious what you all think about the, uh, the same question. And uh, Dave, I'm going to post it to you first this time. Uh, how would you get more people to start painting miniatures? Uh, I think there are two. There were two kind of aspects that were were touched on um, through those responses. Um, the one that I think most people focused on was how do we not turn people away? Somebody who's expressed an interest, how do we make it easier for them to, or more comfortable for them, or um, less daunting for them yeah uh, so i think um that's because a lot of people have the primary interaction they have was with people who are seeing miniatures perhaps for the first time but they're in a store they're um they might have wandered over from the board game section and go oh what's all this about um i think all of those things are important for the existing community to do to to make it less uh, to make it less daunting and more comfortable for people to continue their um, miniature painting journey but to get more people involved in that we're going to go to places where people haven't seen miniatures or they aren't seeing miniatures um, and starting points 
for things like that might be uh some of the stuff that uh, my buddy rick ankney is doing uh at comic cons for example going there and setting up a paint and take area where he might have be able to have 50 60 80 people sitting down painting their very first miniature for the very first time um to kill 15 minutes or half an hour or whatever it happens to be for the before the next panel or whatever uh it's being able to put that sort of thing in front of people who might have a general interest in um popular culture and seeing if miniature painting is a thing for them because I, I think when we all sat down and painted our first miniature it was like oh well this is really cool i want to do more of this um so to get more people involved uh we need to be able to spread uh, get out there and, and be able to do that get in, in in front of people who haven't seen miniatures before maybe they don't play board games maybe they have, haven't walked into a local gaming store it's looking for other ways to get it in front of people yeah um all right uh byron what do you think this is such a can of worms isn't it um <laughs> yeah let's open it <laughs> yeah it's a uh it's a big open one people's answers were really good i thought um I, th I think really just encouraging people not to worry when they do see it and showing them that they need less than they would think they do that like you know uh in terms of stuff things and also knowledge like it's absolutely fine to start from nothing you could start you know on i often do my first demos with people on terrain because people don't care about it um like i do it all the time don't use color and do it on terrain and people will just completely relax um so, um, you know, if people have kind of already seen it, which has already been touched on by Dave, you know, ha ha really happens in a fairly narrow selection of places. That's one thing. When people do see it, I think if, um, like, if you have wandered sideways in a shop that's got board games or whatever, the thing's being painted. It sounds really, you know, basic, but, like, if the first time you see miniatures, it's the box and not what's in the box painted. Yeah. Um, there's a huge difference in that. And with there being um uh you know like games workshop isn't increasing in proportion to its growth or the growth of the market um and neither are miniature stores you know miniature stores um in fact you know a pure miniature store is actually a fairly rare thing still um so when people see things they're being a demo table if they're getting in it from the gaming perspective but you know those miniatures being painted I think is a really, really huge part of it, along with removing intimidation, both financially and otherwise from people saying like, you know, you can start with 10, you know, 10 paints and one miniature, and we've picked one that's easy to start with. And here's how to go about it. Um, uh, like Games Workshop gets mentioned a lot because it's kind of the cornerstone of a lot of things or the starting point for a lot of things or a lot of people. And with there being less of that about, you know, a paint and take is actually a pretty special thing. I think there's, they're appearing in packs and places like that now, which is awesome. Um, you know, that's on a scale that our industry can't even really truly appreciate because we'll <laughs> we'll never be that big. But yeah. um, that's quite big, and that makes a difference. Um, I guess just being super open about it publicly as well, like everyone's speaking about it openly, whether it happens to be a celebrity or otherwise. Um, YouTube is huge; it's absolutely massive as a part of this. Um, and I think anyone doing that, encouraging people, the painting phase got mentioned, it's a wonderful example, and really lowering the, the perceived intimidation factor 
and making it seem like just fine and also just fine to screw up because it is and it's actually segue next question coming up you know i think it's one of the most valuable bits of the hobby is screwing up and telling people yeah. that it happens all the time here's my thing halfway through nothing looks good at, you know 50 to 80 percent done and then suddenly things start looking better and you start feeling happier about it um kind of all of that wrapped up into one really i guess yeah, no, that makes total sense. I think a lot of what you're talking about is what's described in marketing as um, as friction, and that's yep. you know, it, 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 what, what's like preventing you from making the step into. In this case, we're talking the product we're talking about is painting, but you know, it might be purchasing an item or signing yes. up for a website or stuff. So, yeah, I think finding ways to reduce friction into the hobby is, is a really important way to think about it. People put their own barriers in, especially if they're scared of you know having to try something they might be bad at. So, doing anything yeah. that is possible to help with that or tell them that it's fine for their first five to not go perfectly or whatever absolutely absolutely uh, shoshi what do you what do you think how can we uh get more people to start painting market market to women yeah um you're missing out on 50 percent of the population and this has been going on for so long it's gotten to the point where i feel like if they wanted to they would have figured it out by now um, sure i have been a gamer my most of my life since I was 10 years old. And um, I, there have been times when I've been to Gen Con, like in 2015, I went around to different miniature producers and not miniature producer, but just game producers. Yeah. And like I would be at a demo and um, I would be asking them about the game. And as soon as a dude walked up, they would completely drop me and not talk to me. And they would go demo to the dude. And it's, a big elephant right now for me right in the room um because uh -huh. i i hear you guys say people but i don't know if you're really acknowledging the reality of things um the reality is that nothing things aren't being made for um multiple demographics yeah um, absolutely and i think that yes community building is huge and it's awesome but when you go to these communities you want to feel like wanted and appreciated and women like spending money and women like shopping and, and gaming as well and um we might not be interested in some of the same things as 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 guys but um there's a lot of overlap especially with women who do like to game um but i'm not seeing the products the games represented um in the industry and when they do try it's like you know my little pony you right. know card game or you know winks club you know um yeah i'm sorry it's like a sore spot for me because I've, I've dealt with it for so long yeah no that's very legitimate you know i think another thing i made we're talking about in that um as far as marketing uh miniatures painting and gaming to women is creating places that feel and look safe for them Right. And I think you know, we've all been in some pretty grimy game shops, which is a lot more people's first encounter with miniatures gaming is or kind of sketchy situations or, you know, back rooms at conventions where the miniatures hobby stuff is. And maybe they're not particularly inviting to somebody who's going to walk into a room full of strange men in a darkly lit room. Right. Yeah, I, that's not been in my experience as much, um, maybe because I've been in, in gaming spaces so long, um, but like the ones who are even here already are like i said even the those people are not being marketed to either we're we're yeah. given we're given very little choices um 
and you guys talked about war in gaming and why isn't there more non-war games um, is because they're marketing to one demographic for primarily who is really interested in competition. I personally, I, I can't play competitive games with my husband because he just is his, his different way of thinking. He beats me constantly. It's not fun uh-huh. to lose, lose every single time. So we yeah. started playing like Skyrim where the Skyrim board game, which is, um, it's a miniature game, but it is also, you know, very, um, cooperative, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of games I like. Yeah, and I, I think I'm hoping we're going to see more of that stuff. Um, and I, I think you know the pandemic did kind of probably spurred that to a certain degree where people were staying home and playing a lot of kind of, uh, cooperative miniatures games or the few that exist anyway. Like, um, oh, there's one that the name is totally escaping me right now. Um, Shadow something. It's a very famous Shadows game. Shadows of Brimstone. Shadows of Brimstone's one. Yeah, um, but it, Gloomhaven, Kingdom Dead. Yeah. These there's a lot of new ones out that we didn't have access to before. Yeah, oh, Rangers of Shadowdeep is the miniatures one that I'm thinking of, though, um, which is a co-op fantasy game, and I, I, I've, I've noticed that it does seem to be very popular um, with women, which has been sort of interesting to see, and I, I hopefully, hopefully we'll see more of that stuff in the future. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to instantly bring in a whole bunch of people, that would be how to do it. And yeah. this, and if you add that to community, one thing I just want to say about community. It's so important because we have so few third spaces anymore. Places True. that we have we, we have places we live and places we work. We have very few places where we can go and don't have to spend money and we can spend time with community and people who we like. Um, and so I, I do think it's really important to support the game stores and also like create little clubs and get togethers and paint parties. And that's another way because to keep people in in the hobby as well. Mm-hmm. No, right on. Uh, let's see. So, Byron, did you have something to say? Yeah, I, just, I really like that as a point about the third spaces. I think like casual and you know open, clean, welcoming spaces are a huger part of the hobby than people would maybe realize. Um, it's it, they differ in countries, like or or you know continents or whatever. There's definitely a very 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 different approach to them. Um, we are our industry is about twenty years behind as well. I think. It seems mental that, you know, um, an industry that is like whatever the size of a company, you know, profits a thing. And the computer games and the board games industry have realized that there is a lot of money out there. Um, I mean, even if you look at statistics of how money is spent, men spend less than women, to use that as a particular example. Um, so, so why wouldn't you try um, just in general? Um, but we are very, very, very behind. And until the industry starts taking attitudes or, you know, using staff who have come from wider industries, larger industries, um, and stops being so insular um, until you start trying to do something a bit more radical, it just won't really happen. And a lot of companies just do things the same way on repeat. Um, and, and why would things change if you're not changing anything? Completely, completely agree. Right, there's a lot out there, and everyone else is aware of it, and we're just in a little bubble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right on. And uh, Matt, let me pose a question to you. Um, how would you like to see or get more people to start painting miniatures? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that I really liked all those answers. Um, you know, Shoshi's answer was great. Just, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking more along what Dave was talking about. Um, uh, as well as Byron, where it's like, in some ways, it's a bit more about retention. 
um, of people as well as finding new um, people to bring in, which <laughs> I really loved, uh, again, what Shoshi was saying about that. Um, she's right on there. Um, but uh, I think that <laughs> in some ways, like, I might represent some so some of what your like uh you, you know the, your viewers or, or your listeners were talking about you know um, don't be intimidated by somebody who's like you know put the uh nearly thirty years into participating or whatever <laughs> and mm -hmm. I totally like I'm very aware of that when I am interacting with people especially people who are just starting and uh, I so I thought I'd just kind of share like my message for those people. Um, and like maybe is a good example you know um for others as you're trying to you know introduce somebody who's new to the hobby and get them hooked on it um is that the, there's a lot of like internal sort of fears and anxieties that people have and um and also they can be very overwhelmed by the amount of information that's out there as well um, and I think that that problem has kind of increased dramatically um, over the years because there is so much more like instant access to information that can overwhelm people. Um, so the things I, the messages I have is one, like don't get too obsessed with like becoming better and better. Like it's not all about just becoming better. It's about um, just, in, just enjoy the simple act of painting, like just, the simple act of putting paint on the model and like seeing it change and grow as you paint it um, and the relaxation and like the kind of flow state that you can give it, get in. That's what is going to hook somebody into paint, miniature painting, I think. Um, or, or at least that, that, <laughs> that was my experience and that's why I see in others as well uh, very often is that they enjoy those, those things. And then um, with uh, like just too much information or being overwhelmed with information, like I would recommend that people, um, if you find yourself like just watching YouTube videos and not painting, is just like, you no, know, turn the videos off and, and paint, you know? Yeah. You know, <laughs> have some music on instead. Um, you, you know, and use the videos and the, information out there to answer a, que a specific question that you have if you have a specific question like you know by all means search and find that answer because it's there you know <laughs> like you don't have to worry about it um and if you have trouble like executing that then there's plenty of resources you know you could get a session of coaching with someone like myself you know for example and they'll just like they'll and we'll make sure that we can, you can get over like any trouble you have applying that information that you get. But in reality, like the best thing to do is to just kind of like let go of all that and just like enjoy painting, and then only use that to um, answer your questions. I think is is uh, especially when you're first starting out, you know, where and to not feel like you have to be the best painter painting painter right away. Um, I think is is really valuable because you can kind of like psych yourself out a little bit <laughs> uh and then it's not fun and then you stop and then we've lost that new new painter you know so um i think that that's a big part of retention and then the other third thing i wanted to say is that if you are a miniature painter that um 
you know, like you're, you're fairly experienced and you have a lot of information to share, don't just assume that somebody wants that information just because, especially a new person, you know, because it can be very intimidating for somebody to just be like, oh, do this, this, and this, and share and like kind of force their viewpoints and stuff on, on people um, when they're first starting out, when they're not even asking for it, you know? Just like let them yeah. let them enjoy it. Let them enjoy it right off the bat. And I think that this is like really applicable to like, let's say you're the best miniature painter at your local game store or um, you've been painting miniatures for years and then your like spouse is trying to get into it, you know? They can be really turned off for, by this like idea that all of this like help information. It's coming from a good place, you know, it's coming coming from a good place from somebody, but they can, in reality, they just want to like do their own thing and 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 uh learn to enjoy it themselves and then that can come later don't feel like you have to give it all to them at once um yeah That's yeah you know it, it's funny what you were saying about um not setting yourself out i feel like it even applies to you know more accomplished painters uh, i remember Absolutely. a few years ago <laughs> a long time but you know three or four years ago i started getting stressed i was like oh i'm painting code you know, I should be seeking out, like, I should really be challenging myself in new and exciting ways. I, I you know, it was, I was watching long videos. I was like, oh, I gotta learn how to do non-metallic metals and all this stuff. And um, it was, it was sucking the fun out of it. And when I, what, eventually when I realized I needed to think about what I wanted to get out of miniatures painting. And for me, I love painting armies. I love painting warbands for miniatures games. You know, I'm, I'm not personally interested in becoming a competitive painter or painting busts and sculpts. And I was like, there's all these techniques that are really cool. But unless I want to do one of them, I don't need to learn how to do that. And I was like, oh, I should just focus on my, my army painting, which I know the basics of. And when I need to learn how to do a specific skill, I'll watch the video for it and apply it then. And I'll, I'm still learning things. I'm still challenging myself. But I'm not stressing myself out because I'm not, like, advancing as a painter. But, of course, I am advancing as a painter, but I'm just doing it in the way that applies to the kind of painting I do. And, you know, that's not something that the new, the new painter needs to worry about. But I think because there's so much information and videos out there once you know how to paint, it's really easy to psych yourself out and be like, I've got to be doing these things, but you don't, you know, you should be doing them if you want to, but not because you have, you feel like you have to, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's doing it for fun, right? <laughs> That's why we yeah. all got into this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, most people are doing it for fun. Like, you know, uh, you know, I do miniature stuff professionally, but I'm not a professional painter and I don't, I don't plan to be a professional painter. Right. You know, I do the occasional commission and, you know, I've done a little bit of studio work here and there, but like nothing, you know, very minor stuff and it's not my focus. So there's no need for me to, to, to act like it is. And I think a lot of people out there need to realize that like they don't have to be competitive painters, right? If there's a competitive skill they want to learn, they should do it because it's fun, but not because they're going to be out there winning awards because that's not necessarily what they actually want to do. So uh, I think we're going to move into the final question, which is my favorite. Um, and appropriately enough, it is, what is your favorite part of miniatures painting? My favorite part is probably finishing a project that when you set everything down, you look at it and you're like, this looks really good. I, I like this. I'm happy with it. And then the first time you, you put that unit or that model, that character model or that or whole army on a table and it's all done and it looks good and your opponent's got something that's painted and looks good and you play a game and everything, everything's just beautiful. It's great. I love it. My favorite part of painting minis is having a hobby that I can just hyper-focus on and tune out everything else going on. If I'm feeling up to it, I can try new things or just stick with the tried and true techniques and just have a relaxing evening. And the other thing I really like about it is being able to enjoy the results of my hard work, like playing games with the minis I painted or just seeing the display pieces around the house. 
What's my favorite part of painting miniatures? Uh, there's a lot. Uh, uh, I love everything about painting miniatures, but that's not a very good answer. So my answer is going to be one aspect of miniature painting that I love that is eking itself out amongst the pack by a hair. Uh, but I'm going to say it, my favorite part about miniatures painting is the paint. I love collecting paint, trying out all the different ranges of paint that there are, seeing how they act and what makes them better or stand out is a better uh, phrase what makes them stand out from the pack and that is collecting paint is is pretty much my hobby within a hobby and i love it and i'm glad that there are as many paint ranges as there are and more coming out i can't wait to collect them all the thing that i tend to enjoy when painting minis is uh, funnily enough, after the bit, which I really don't like, which uh, I mentioned earlier was applying the base layers, it's when you start to uh, work with different tones or shades and highlights, when you start to put the details back onto the miniature, because when you look at it and you think, wow, it's actually starting to get a new lease of life, or the character really starts to come out from it. If you if you find a mini where, uh, in its unpainted form, you think, oh, this looks really cool it's got a lot of character a lot of life to it then seriously add a bit of paint to it and it'll just look so much better i mean why wouldn't you want to give it that little bit more life or this its own personality that's one of the things that i find with doing it and then another bit is once i've actually finished going through all the different stages of painting minis uh, you you probably find like like myself you will work on it in certain stages and then uh, the end result when you just look back and see this little finished mini in front of you and it's like wow I did that you know no matter how how great you are or where where you're starting off if you look at it and just think I did this you know it's a great accomplishment where you could just hold it in your hand and just look at all the little details and all the bits that you've worked on actually my favorite part of painting miniatures is learning new tricks and techniques from other people and watching a lot of YouTube videos. All right, well, there we have it. And uh, let's start with you, Matt. Uh, what is your favorite part about painting miniatures? Uh, yeah, it's hard to choose what just one part that is my favorite. I mean, I love so many different parts. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to mention, I'm going to kind of cheat and mention a couple bits that I think Go for are it. my favorite. My favorite is... Uh, finding that flow state and just like losing the hours basically like letting letting my mind turn off and um, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing I'm just acting you know and le letting the paint kind of come alive and sometimes like really amazing stuff comes out of that like that were not planned and I just I just love that that part um, and then my second, I guess my next favorite thing that I love about miniature painting is when it's all done and it's finished. And I love placing, taking that model and putting it in somebody else's hand so, and having them hold it and look at it and, and, and seeing how it affects them and how they, they, it touches them as well. So uh, those are my favorite things about miniature painting. Yeah, it is really cool when you get to sort of kind of look at your your the piece you spent so many hours working on, and you just kind of see it through somebody else's eyes. It's kind of like getting to look at it fresh, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I I I also like even more specifically, physically love like putting it in somebody's hand because they are these like tiny things that 
you know, we want to place on, I mean, seeing them in a display case is one thing, but actually holding it in your hand and like, uh, you know, the, the pieces that I do a lot these days are like, uh, busts and things. So they have a big piece of wood. Somebody can hold on to it. They're not going to, yeah. they're not going to hurt it or anything. Um, but they still feel like they can't get close to it. And it's like, um, I just love, love doing that. Like I'll just pick pick my model up out of the display case with somebody when somebody's like looking at it from afar and just put it in their hands and they just love it. They just yeah. like their faces light up and everything. I just love that. Yeah, the, the miniatures have that that's kind of like weird inner glow when they've really been been painted right. Like it's 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 almost uncanny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I love the the seeing the effect. You know that effect. Yeah, and, and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's it's magical. <laughs> for sure uh dave what is your favorite part of miniatures painting uh i think my favorite part is um when i get sort of stuck into the the middle of a um well i'm in the middle of a project uh so i, I have a plan i know what's going on what's going forward and and seeing that progress and seeing the plan um be really together yeah so Getting it, um, seeing it all come together is um, my favorite part of painting, I guess. Yeah, fairly, fairly simple one, but um, yeah, sure. Seeing, seeing the seeing the progress through a project is is the way. Yeah, that's right my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get it for sure. And uh, Byron, how about you? What what is your favorite part of miniatures uh, painting? Well, there's two parts, but Matt word for words took one of them from me. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that that bit where you you just get into it and you you you're like, oh wow, that that was a lot of hours that passed. Um, I listen to I tend to listen to audiobooks while I paint, and um, you know I'll just drop in, and if three hours can disappear with that much joy, that's great with anything ever. Like that's truly special. Um, having it like a a tangible end result and also the other bit which may not always feel like the best bit but the struggle like absolutely the struggle the journey the kind of um uh the acceptance that comes with knowing that the middle bit is when it's going to feel bad but you know that if you carry on it will get better and stuff like that which you only get after repetition which is really really truly hard to impart to people when yeah. you were to the hobby um especially if they think you're coming at it from a, a place of more knowledge. But really, when you impart that, you're just showing like every single miniature has an emotional journey and my emotions are the same as yours. Just forget how mine looks and how yours looks. You know, I will start, I'll have something in mind. Maybe it isn't going fully to plan. At this point, I won't be, you know, I won't be 100% that it'll work, but I'll know that last time I felt like this, it did work. And I still came out with it with something that I was, you know, kind of happy with. Then I left the room then I came back maybe the next morning, I looked at it and was actually super proud of it. I really kind of love all of that wrapped up into one. Um, yeah, that's um, that's the special bit for me. I love yeah. that answer, By Byron, that uh, about the struggle. Like, I, I just love that answer. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. So true. Yeah, to pay you well back, said. you stole my first answer, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sorry about that. I guess we, okay. we, all, we all love this... We, there's obviously going to be a lot of overlap from with people what they love about it. So I just love that answer. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And uh, Shoshi, how about you? What do you love about Minnie's painting? Well, I kind of said it in the beginning where I said, like, you know, it's a perfect blend of my nerdy side and my arty side. So, and I just really 
love connecting with other people who are already and nerdy as well and um, just like the community as well. Yeah, the miniatures painting community really is is something pretty special these days, especially I think, you know, with, with YouTube and people's Patreons and the fact that we have communities around specific painters or, you know, almost schools of painting now is really pretty exciting. Uh, you know, and for how, myself... And, oh, go ahead. And how, like, uh, open the miniatures community is in sharing their knowledge and, like, fostering each other. I think we got a really... It's really special community. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it used to be like that before the before the internet i think that no. painters were much more like um secret about their techniques because um really back in the old days as the, the way that you got noticed was through competitions so if you shared yeah. your stuff then it wasn't um it was harder to like you know beat somebody because they didn't have your techniques but now so many people are sharing things and like I can't remember which one of you had talked about how you can pick up techniques about lighting and stuff at that, at a workshop, just when you very first start. And I think that the, the base of where people can begin is so much broader and, and easier to access. Yeah. Miniature painters are growing so much faster than we did back in the day. It's so, it's amazing to see. I, I, I love it. And I, I love the community that we've been able to grow. Um, uh, it's just, it, it, even when you compare it to other sorts of communities, I feel like it's like really open to to everybody, and it's it's becoming more and more open to to people. I mean, there's there's always going to be some bad apples and some some bad experiences, but I think at, by and large, we've made the community is one of my favorite parts about the miniatures as well, Shoshi. A hundred percent. I think um, people should be really really aware that if you know, there's lots of different aspects of this hobby, like. No one mentioned how good completing an army is. That's amazing. Like, that's really cool. It's also very hard work. <laughs> but yeah. you know, the first time you put like whatever it is, it could be a a, a squad, a war band, two thousand points, you know, a crew, whatever it is. Um, like that's truly special. But kind of with that in mind, if you're into one particular part of the hobby, and your immediate, you know, uh, geographic, um, local friends group aren't. You can find people who are, and if you reach out to one of them who you, you perceive as you know better as you or more knowledgeable or, or whatever, the chances are they will be lovely and they will answer any questions you have, and that is incredibly special. And you, you know, um, you could conceivably do that to someone who is the Usain Bolt of your part of the hobby, and then you'll get a direct reply from them probably, and they'll be nice and they'll say, "Well, actually, when I was starting out, I struggled with that too, and I'll go about it this way." Have you heard of this? Uh, check out this resource or whatever like that is unbelievable to say that that is a thing in something that is as important to you as you know anything else that you're passionate about um that's amazing like that's really really good and other people and other hobbies that aren't as niche absolutely don't get to say that that is a thing right like that is truly truly special yeah the, the generosity of so many miniatures painters is really astonishing you know i, I run a discord for the brush Builders union members um and you know we have a we have a huge variety of, of, of people with skill levels and interest in miniatures. You know, we have people who joined, you know, a week ago who are painting their first miniature, you know, last week or whatever. We have, you know, there are people who've won multiple golden demons or work as studio painters. And, um, you know, if somebody asks for advice on painting in the Brushwaters Union Discord, you know, the chances that somebody with, you know, a truly 
expert opinion and um, and skill set is going to just very generally be like, oh, well, this is how I do that, right? Or, you know, even if they're like, well, I don't have the time to get into that right now, but here's a video or something I, I post about it. You know, yeah, it's usually payable, but, you know, for free, here you go, happy to share it. And, you know, I, I feel like there's so few hobbies where people are that generous with their, their skills and time. It's, it's just amazing to be a part of that. Um, so... I think we're going to kind of wrap it up. I'd like to thank all of you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you all had incredible viewpoints um, and incredible skill sets you've been very kind to share with us here. So thank you for joining me for episode 50. Yeah, thank you, Cheers, Simon. Yeah. Thanks for having thanks us. For yeah, yeah, and uh, thanks for having us. It's definitely very cool. Great to see Yeah, my pleasure. Dave, thank you for the idea for this format. It's I think it's been really, really fun. <laughs> I was I was very stressed what I was going to do for episode fifty, and you you solved it in a breath at Adepticon. So thank you for that again. <laughs> you're you're welcome. It was uh, I mean I I had no idea how it was going to work out, but I think it's uh, I think it's gone really well. No, it's been a great conversation. I'd like to maybe do some, some more stuff on this, and like maybe some more specific topics in the future, like uh, you know, uh, show you some of the stuff you were saying is really interesting, and I'd like to maybe give you a platform to talk about that in more depth in the future with some people, and maybe you can suggest Absolutely. some of the guests we could we could roundtable. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I think all of you are doing really incredible work out there, um, whether you're working as a brush manufacturer for Artist Opus or publishing books or doing lessons and competitive pieces like Shoshi and Matt. Um, if you're listening, please go to the show notes uh, and you're going to find links to everybody's stuff here. Check their stuff out, their Patreons, their projects, everything. Um, they're all great, great projects worth your time to support. Um, I'd also like to thank one more time the uh, five people from Brushboard Union who provided answers to my questions and sent audio files and took some time out of the day to do that. Thank you again, Betsy, Carmen, Damp Dog, Richard, and Jody. Couldn't have done this without you. Really appreciate it. So, uh, everybody, thanks again. I've said thanks a million times. We're going to say it one more time. Thank you for joining me for episode 50 of the Brushboard Union's podcast, and hopefully we'll do 50 more. Happy 50. Happy 50th. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, happy 50. <laughs> thanks so much, guys.